This is part 11 of our series in Seeing Jesus in the Old Testament. And today we're going to look at the new creation, which is the big story of the Bible. In fact, I'm going to continue it next week because there's a lot of stuff, but I'm going to give you the kind of the key elements this week. And my goal is to grasp the big picture of God's plan for humanity and be excited, motivated, and get a sense of purpose for our lives. This is an area where I think not that many Christians really grasp how this story is the story of the Bible. So I'm quite excited about this particular topic. And so grasping this big picture, I think, is so important for us. So just going to recap the last couple of sermons. We looked in number nine, I am with you, and how in the time of the patriarchs and matriarchs with with Abraham and Sarah, and then with with uh, um, Isaac and Rebecca, and then with Jacob, we see God beginning to speak the language. I'm with you. I'm 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 not going to leave you. I'm not going to abandon you. And then we developed that a bit more with last week with the word Chesed, which is a word that we have no English word to cover that kind of meaning, because it means a love that will never let you go, a love that will never abandon you. And we saw some incredible stories of God speaking this to people and saying, look, I'm never going to abandon you. I am yours and you are mine forever. And we saw how this culminated in what we can experience through Jesus Christ as he wraps his arms around us and says, I will never leave you. And this is an extraordinary, just just reading these scriptures just moved me so much. It's such a wonderful topic. So uh, this week, I've got three things. The first I want to look at the pattern illustrated in three stories. And then I'd like to look at the big story on three slides. I've just summarized on three slides and then being excited, motivated with a sense of purpose for our lives. Okay, let's have an overview of the Bible. It's a very short overview. The first creation, stuff in between, and the new creation. That's my simple three-point overview of the Bible. Um, some of you might not be satisfied with that as, as a kind of a big story. So I'm going to give you a slightly bigger, unpacked version of it. Um, most is the more detailed overview. The first creation, the first humanity, which are corrupted by evil. Reruns of Eden with God providing temporary solutions. Prophecies that a whole new creation is needed and coming. A new humanity in Jesus complete new creation. So that is the big story. And I'm going to be everything from now on is unpacking this picture here. And so I want to start then by looking at um, three, three examples, three people uh, in scripture and look at their stories. Well, actually, I'm really going to, I'm not going to really go over Adam and Eve again. I'm going to focus on Noah and then Abraham and Sarah. So I want to read the story of Noah, something that really interesting happened after the flood. And 
uh, I'm going to call this a failed new beginning because the flood was like a new start. You know, God wiped everything, started again. And in some ways, as we're going to see, Noah is like a new Adam figure. He's like a new attempt at Adam. So read, read this. We'll note, see what you notice as we go through this. Noah began to be a man of the soil and he planted a vineyard. Okay, think garden. And he drank of the wine and became drunk and lay uncovered in his tent. Now, this is a story that a lot of people get confused in. Why is this here? Well, you were going to see. And Ham, the father of Canaan, saw the nakedness of his father and told his brothers outside. Then Shem and Japheth took a garment, laid it on both their shoulders and walked backwards and covered the nakedness of their father. Their faces were turned backward and they did not see their father's nakedness. When Noah awoke from his wine, he knew what his youngest son had done to him. He said, Cursed be Canaan, a servant of servants, shall he be to his brothers. Now, Verse 25 has tragically been used in North America to justify slavery in centuries past with a weird notion that um, somehow uh, Ham's son Canaan went to Africa. And of course he didn't. There's absolutely no connection at all. But we're going to see that this is a faulty, completely faulty idea on several levels. Um, but I don't know if you've picked up on any of the parallels in this story as we are reading through with Adam. So let's just summarize them. So Adam and Eve and Noah. So they have a garden, the Garden of Eden. Noah plants a garden, grows grapes in it. Adam and Eve eat of the tree. Noah eats his grapes. Now, he wasn't told not to, but he overdid and got Blind drunk, absolutely blind drunk, didn't know what he was doing. Then with both of them, the issue of nakedness comes up. Nakedness and then shame. Um, so first of all, we have nakedness and then we have the shame of knowing, realizing you're naked. Exactly the same in both stories. Then we have what happens when Adam is confronted. Oh, he blames Eve. And then Eve blames the serpent. Uh, what about Noah? Well, he tries to blame Ham. Um, so uh, people have tried to work out what Ham was supposed to have done that was so very wrong. I mean, all he did was tell his brothers so they could cover him up. Well, he actually did nothing wrong. He was just a handy person to blame. He was the easiest person to blame in the situation. And if you read the rest of the passage, the writer takes time to emphasize that this curse didn't happen. The writer deliberately emphasizes that actually Ham's descendants were really blessed. They were, he, he points that out. And so he's basically saying this, this curse never happened. It was a false curse. Um, uh, and it, it, it was just blaming. And so that's what's going on in the story, I think. It's really showing us the very sad parallel with between Noah and Adam. So what's the point of this? Why have this story? And I think the point is that makeovers don't work. 
something very different needs to happen. There needs to be a fundamental change. And one of the things we're going to see is that God doesn't do makeovers. God changes as a complete renewal when he um, wants to make a difference. And so we see then this deliberate parallel to show us that really nothing had changed here. Um, however, <clears throat> as time went by after Noah, we see the generations come down. Mankind is getting more and more wicked, exactly like happened before the flood. You know, it looks like a rerun of before the flood, but God does something new now. What God does is he chooses Abraham and Sarah as a new beginning. Now, what's different about this new beginning is he does a work in their heart. So let's have a look at how they're a new beginning. So following Noah, humankind was heading downhill again. God started again with Abraham and Sarah and new, new Adam and Eve figures. Their big test was, was whether they could trust God. And um, instead of a physical land, they were looking forward to something new. And so God put it in their hearts, put this faith in their hearts. And as we saw a couple of weeks ago, it wasn't about a legal, here's a law, you've got to obey this law or fail to obey it. It was about, can you trust me? Do we have a relationship here where you can step out in trust? That was what it was about. And it's very helpful in Hebrews 11, where it gives us a wonderful picture of this. Hebrews 11 and starting to read at verse 8. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he went to live in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive, even when she was past the age, since she considered him faithful who had promised. So they're believing something that to be true that's not actually visible. And particularly verse 10 is pointing towards a new creation. It's a hint of a new creation that's coming. A city whose designer and builder is God that doesn't exist yet, but he believed that this was happening. So we see then this, this, uh, the first time in the Bible that we're getting a hint of God doing something new, following up on the promise to Eve, and doing something that ultimately would undo the bad stuff that happened at the beginning of the story. Uh, so, um, so uh, let's then look at our, um, our outline then. The pattern, we've looked then at the pattern illustrated in three stories, how Adam and Eve's story is illustrated in with Noah, with a failure, but then Abraham and Sarah in a completely different way. And what I'd like to do now is to show the whole big story on three slides. And this is my summary of it. And uh, 
And there's another slide where I've got some scripture, but I'm not including that in my three slides. So I'm going to, that's how I'm going to do it. And then, um, we're going to end by being excited, motivated with a sense of purpose for our lives. And as we see how we fit in to this big story. So <clears throat> let's go back to my abbreviated version. Uh, first creation stuff in between new creation. Okay. So that's the big story on one slide. And uh, those A, B, and C, I'm going to unpack those onto basically three slides. I'm cheating slightly because I can't get B all onto one slide. Um, so the first creation, stuff in between the new creation. Those are my A, B, and C. Okay. A, the first creation was ruined by sin. That's easy. Then we start the B. Again and again, there were reruns of Eden. So this is the stuff in between. There were reruns of Eden, and there are actually quite a lot more that, that I'm going to go into. I'm going to give more examples next week, but this is just, I'm just giving the example of Noah this time. But God showed that something more was needed than a simple restart. Something much deeper that turned out to be a new kind of humanity and a new creation. So this is my first slide. Um, the the stuff in between then is um, God showing that simply a new creation is not enough and giving hints about how he's going to deal with it with stories like Abraham and Sarah. And gradually we're going to get more and more unpacked here. So let's continue. This is my second slide. Um, hints of a new humanity. This new humanity would be created in God's image in a much deeper way. So Adam and Eve were in the image of God. They were created in God's image. And um, people debate about what exactly that means. But, um, you know, they're, they're um, eternal. They have characteristics. They can make choice. They... Um, they're creative, lots of things that you can, you can say that are godlike, which they have. There, people talk about, um, incommunicable, incommunicable attributes like in, um, God's, um, um, infinity, his, um, his ability to do anything, his perfection. Those things were not God's in God's image, but many things that are God, God's characteristics were passed on. However, the hints of this new humanity were that they would actually carry something more of God. They would carry his spirit in their DNA. Something, even though Adam and Eve carried God's image, something more was going to happen in this new humanity. This was foreshadowed with Abraham and Sarah, with Moses, with godly leaders such as Deborah and Samuel, then King David. And so you get you get this kind of struggle of bits of the new coming through, down through history. And then the prophets, oh, sorry, sorry to say, these people were all flawed, but they showed that humanity did not have to always repeat the sin of Adam and Eve. So someone like King David, a major few flaws in his life, yet there was something new that was there that was, that was giving hope for the future. Then we have 
the prophets, and next week I'm hoping to give you a lot more of this, but the prophets began speaking in very exciting ways of something new coming and giving creation imagery about God, what God was going to do in this coming time. And so here we have then this stuff in between. And then um, finally, part C, the new human and new creation. And so finally, Jesus came born of the old creation. So he's born with an old creation body. But when he dies, he's raised as something new. He's called in Colossians, the firstborn from the dead as the start of an entirely new creation, a new physicality, something new. Um, but this new creation did not even have to wait for the old to be gone. Now, this is the amazing thing. And this is the source of all our joy and all our problems that the both of them are in parallel. Um, it turned out that humans could be reborn into the new while still having their old creation bodies. So we have an existence in both creations right now. Uh, Jesus contrasts these two creations when he's talking to Nicodemus. He talks about um, being born in the flesh and born in the spirit. And he talks about this new being born anew in this new way. Um, this is why if you're a Christian, you sometimes have a tension within you between the old and the new. Uh, there's, there's something going on inside you because some of you is still in the old, certainly your body is, um, but there's a newness there and this is giving this tension, which Paul spends a lot of Galatians talking about. Um, and then finally, a new garden of Eden where Finally, humanity has full access to the tree of life and enters into the destiny that God, God always has for humankind. So those are my three slides. I'm just going to quickly flip back here. Um, the first one starts off. I didn't spend much time on A. It's just ruined by sin. And then we have these reruns of Eden, God showing something more. And then we have... Uh, Gradually, this is developed through the Old Testament with different people and then prophets speaking of something more. And then then we actually have it realized in Jesus as the firstborn of the new creation. Uh, and then we have I'm describe how the strange situation that like the new has begun, the old has not gone. And but then finally end with a new full new creation, new Garden of Eden. And I want to um, just uh, show as part of this, but I'm not going to count it as a slide because I said three slides. So I'm not going to count it as my, as a fourth slide. This is an extra, extra bonus. This is Revelation 22, right at the end of the Bible. <clears throat> then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb. This is describing God's new creation. Through the middle of the street of the city, also on either side of the river, the tree of life. Oh, we met that, didn't we? Right in Genesis. The tree of life with its 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, 
and his servants will worship him. They will see his face and his name will be on their foreheads and night will be no more. They will need no light of lamp or sun because the Lord God will be their light and they will reign forever and ever. So this is the complete fulfillment of the new creation, both inner and in physicality. This is the final destination where everything is going. Okay, so I've uh, covered my first two points. I've looked at the pattern in the Old Testament, three stories, Adam and Eve, Noah and Abraham and Sarah. And we'll look at a few more next week and some of the prophets next week. Um, I've, I've looked at the big story on three slides and seen how this big story goes. And now I want to look at how we can be excited, motivated with the sense of purpose for our lives. Um, why is this so important? Why am I so passionate about the new creation, about understanding it? So I'd like to begin with the verses I alluded to just now, very well-known verses in John 3, where Jesus is talking to Nicodemus. He says, Jesus answered him, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born, and I'm going to say above, because that's actually a much more accurate translation, unless one is born from above, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Unless we're born from above, we cannot see the kingdom of God. Jesus answered, I'll just skip verse 4 where he questions that. Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and of the, and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. So being born of the flesh um, is just you know, all of us. It's, it's actually having a, a physical body. That which is born of the Spirit is the new creation. And so what Jesus is saying here then is that both of these are existing at the same time in us. So what, what does this actually mean? We always talk about being born again. Like, what does this actually mean? Well, there's a very, very crucial thing that we have to understand about it. And, and again, John develops it, but he develops it in, in his letters. And I'd like to look now at you know, this amazing passage here in, um, this is in 1 John chapter 3 and verses 1 and 2 and then verses 13 and 14. <clears throat> See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God. And so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Beloved, we are God's children now and what we will be what we will be has not yet appeared but we know that when he appears we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is do not be surprised brothers that the world hates you we know that that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brothers whoever does not abide does not love abides in death so you might say well you know that's good but that's not that's not radical, but I want, I'm going to pick up on the next bit in the next chapter in 1 John, which explains this. Now you say, you see children of God, um, 
Christ there at the beginning, um, I've marked up in color. And then he says, like him, down a little lower. So what I'd like to do is to just to um, unpack um, exactly what he means. And this this is the most, the most powerful. This is the last scripture I'm going to show you this morning. And this it, this is the most powerful. And this is really at the core of what I want to get at this morning. Beloved, let us love one another. For love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. So do you get that? That being born of God actually puts some of God's love in you, like some of his DNA is there. And because God is love, if you've been born of him, you've got some parental likeness. Because, you know, as children are like their parents and have shared characteristics, you have this. So this is new creation. This is not what went on with Adam. This is in the new creation, and this is through God's Spirit being in us. God's Spirit isn't just resident in us. God's Spirit has actually made this new creation. The new creation that we have, the new life that we have, is in the Spirit. <clears throat> so, whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. So those are the three verses that I want to show you and end on. And these are so important because they're showing one of the main characteristics of the new creation, that somebody who's a member of the new creation actually has some Godness, some, 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 some of the stuff of God in them that will behave in a godlike manner in a way that's different to Adam. Someone in the new creation has access to something within. And this is, this is tough to explain, but it is so important that we get this and it's so exciting when we get this that you may uh, you may sometimes probably often have some tension within you. you know should i do this or should i do this you know I, I i some of me wants to do this but but really this is this is like this is how my new self would be and i want to tell you that you have a power within you that you can access that will naturally live out the new life um it's not a matter of like fighting like who's going to win and I've got, I've got, to, I've got to defeat these old feelings. No, Paul says there's actually a victory happened within you, and all you have to do is to allow the new to flow. You allow the new to flow because it's there. There's part of you that will naturally do, that will naturally love like God does, that will naturally live new creation behavior. Part of you is like that. It's there in you, and your job is not to kind of force a new kind of behavior. That's the old way. You know, I've got to force, I've got to grit my teeth and do the stuff that God wants me to. That's what Adam failed to do and Noah failed to do and many times Abraham and Sarah failed to do. It's that kind of gritting your teeth and obeying. No, what you have to do is to access this new energy 
this new existence that's within you. And doing this, accessing this, is a new life that will naturally flow. Many ways it's explained in the New Testament. You know, we talked about new covenant is, is partly it's having a, a new heart within us and many different ways. But, um, and of course it does, it's not that it has no effort at all, but it's not an effort of gritting your teeth and doing it. It's an effort of, of recognizing that that, that is in you, Re- recognizing that you do naturally have this new propensity, this new energy, this new life that's within you. This is why we're called New Life Church, because it's this life that we want to be about. Uh, it's not the old life. It's the new life that we want to be about. <clears throat> if you're not a Christian, then you need to understand how radical this teaching is before you make any commitments. But I want to say, if you do understand, if you do get what this is like, you'll see this is the most amazing thing that you could ever step into the most amazing um um direction your life could take to have this new life within you <clears throat> and um th- this is this is this text is my last slide here i'm just going to finish with these words i want to say that i think that as christians we have too low a view of what god is wanting us to do and I think there's a kind of a bolt-on Christianity that, um, you know, you'll be much nicer if you accept Jesus. You know, accept Jesus, do these things. Life is better. Things are happier. But God wants to do something so radical within us. And we, we play down the radical dimension of what it is to be a Christian. This is so important, and this is what I'm so motivated to talk about, because I think we sell the Christian life short to ourselves as well as to others by setting our standards too low and not understanding what the possibilities are, what the what the options are, like what, what's available to us. And I want to say, read the New Testament with new eyes. And believe that God has an extraordinary destiny for you that has begun right now. God has an extraordinary destiny for you that has begun right now. So I want to, I want to capture our imagination, capture our hope, capture our desire with this big story that we'll see how we fit in and we realize, wow, I'm going to be there in the full new creation. But right now, I have the life of God within me. Nothing can stop me. This is extraordinary. So my prayer is that all of us will really grasp what is being taught in this teaching on the new creation. Let's pray, shall we? Father, we thank you that you didn't leave us as we were. But you, a tremendous cost to yourself, sent Jesus into this world to undo all the, all the sin, all the bad things, all the evil that was caused by the sin of humanity and instead to give us a new hope in him. And Lord, we pray that you would give each of us a revelation of what you're calling us into, that we will not settle for a life that's just 
bolted on Christianity, but we won't settle until we're living something that is really experiencing your power within us, your new life within us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.